This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Back to school and back to work mean more danger on our roads with more traffic and more distracted drivers in a hurry. Toronto police have launched a safety blitz for this week, especially around our schools. And the mayor is talking up the potential for new technology to make our roads safer. This as we are unfortunately on track for another year of carnage with no improvement in the numbers, despite Vision Zero 2.0. There have been 21 pedestrian deaths so far this year, and Mayor John Tory joins me now. Hi, Mayor. Hello, Libby. I think, I think I'm right in saying that, uh, well, I'm not complacent about this because the target number is zero, nothing more than zero, uh, that the numbers are actually a little improved this year, and you take this as a long-term improvement, especially in the number of deaths I'm talking about, and we're trying to get that down to zero and as quickly as we can. But I think it's a little better this year, but still way too high. Way too high and uh, a disturbing, I don't know about a new thing, but it seems that we are having also more hit and run fail to remain than ever before. You know, I've noticed that myself, uh, but the pattern that I'm more focused on is, and that's, that's terribly disconcerting because it just is in a whole bunch of different respects, but the pattern I'm more focused on is that what we see that's the same uh, is that a lot of these deaths are happening on these, I'll call them suburban roads in places like Scarborough and North York, where there's very wide roads with very infrequent uh, crossings and intersections uh, and fairly high speed limits. And uh, people then don't want to walk 10 or 12 minutes, literally, to the next place they could cross at a crosswalk or a signalized intersection. So they go across, and they're going across a fairly wide road where cars are traveling fairly quickly. And so what we're doing as part of the program overall that we have is uh, we are lowering those speed limits on those kinds of streets. Uh, We're going to be redesigning a lot of those roadways, and we're putting in things like uh, red light cameras and photo radar because we find, again, a this is from analysis of the actual data from last year, uh, the the a fair number of the actual deaths uh, happened uh, at people at intersections where people were going through the intersection trying to get through before the red light, but in fact were going through the red light and striking uh, a pedestrian who had already started across the street. And and one more thing, by the way, we've talked about this you and I before. The majority of the people who uh, are being victimized by these uh, these collisions are uh, people who are 55 years age and of age and above. Well, uh, absolutely, because they're um, more likely to die of their injuries. Uh, another disturbing thing, and it was a very big talk- topic for us here over the last week, is the involvement of large tractor trailers in some of these crashes as they're turning right, as they're turning left, knocking down pedestrians. There was that horrible one uh, a couple of weeks ago where it just like, didn't even see the poor woman crossing the street. This is a challenge for us as well. And one of the things that I said in addressing the issue of school uh, zone safety this morning as kids went back to school was that, you know, a lot of this uh, has to do with um, what I, you and I talked about it the last time I was with you in studio, the social contract that I think used to exist where 
you know, you would make absolutely sure if you were a car driver or a pedestrian or a cyclist uh, that you had sort of made eye contact with people. And that was all part of what I call the social contract that just said you looked out for the other person. And uh, while there are various things that I, 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 I think we could look at doing, um, you know, uh, in terms of that kind of terrible uh, collision that has been happening uh, on our uh, intersections, it, the number one thing we can do is pay closer attention, slow down, um, so that we don't have instances in which people are just not seen. Um, because it's only for a moment that you're not going to see somebody. I mean, they're moving and you're moving. And I think if everybody's paying closer attention, particularly the people driving the trucks and cars and buses and big, big heavy vehicles, uh, we're going to get a much safer result. Is there anything that can be done to deal with these professional drivers, truck drivers? And, uh, you know, I hear from people who say, well, Ontario drivers are limited to 105, but but drivers from out of the province are not. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's everybody just passing the buck to someone else. Well, but of course, the, the issue here isn't things that happen at 105 kilometers per hour. The issue is things that happen at 5 or 10 kilometers per hour in an intersection. Right. Um, you know, and so really, um, I think the, uh, the main thing has to be, you know, driver training and, you know, everything we can do by way of the equipment itself to make sure that you, you know, because everybody understands when you're in a vehicle that's high up above the ground and, and whatnot, that, that, that results in some obstruction to visibility. And so I think the more we can do to make sure they have good visibility, but most importantly, behave in a way that understands that your visibility is limited so that you have to take extra care in, in these kind of intersections as opposed to going down the road. Um, I think that's going to make the biggest difference. I think human behavior in all of this. I outlined some statistics this morning, Libby, that were just stunning in terms of uh, the places where we tested photo radar because we're going to bring it in. We're awaiting a final provincial approval, but we had to test it in order to prove out the technology. And in places like in the West End and Etobicoke, two of the places we tested it, one on Rock, uh, Rockcliffe uh, and another on a, place, a street called Renforth, we literally had the majority of cars, tens of thousands of cars going by, say, in a, you know, in a week-long period. The majority of cars were speeding, and some were speeding, like, literally on Renforth, you had somebody that actually went 200 kilometers per hour on a city street. Uh, at the Rock Cliff, you had the majority of cars speeding, and the highest there, I think, got to 102 kilometers per hour. This is grossly excessive speeding. I mean, all speeding is contrary to the law and is dangerous, but you can imagine uh, those kinds of numbers and the thousands of cars that are speeding. And so the, I always say that the biggest single thing that has to change is human behavior. And we're going to try and influence that with more red light cameras. We're doubling the number so that people won't go through uh, intersections and try and race uh, to get through before a red light. Uh, and we're going to be deploying 50 different locations of photo radar in community safety and school zones in December so that people who do speed will be, first of all, seeing a warning sign. So that's the first thing they'll see, that there's a speed camera. But secondly, if they insist on continuing the speed, they'll get, you know, what I describe as a big fat ticket. Well, so, so that's coming. We're we're bringing in uh, uh, automotive journalist uh, after we speak to you. But he's basically saying that speed limits are a joke, that uh, if you're on a highway, for instance, you'll never get a ticket under 120. Uh, I can tell you from experience that it, it, there are a lot of places in the city where if you try to go to s a speed limit, you know, you're, you're practically going to be run off the road. Again, well, we're trying to change that. Yeah. And we're going to try and change that in a number of respects. And we're not trying to bog traffic down and people get into all kinds of, you know, discussion about this being very unfair to car drivers. What we're trying to do is make sure that people obey the law, first and foremost. 
because the law was set. There were speed limits that were set for a reason. They weren't picked out of a hat. And we're lowering some of those because of the fact we've seen excessive speed going on. But then what goes with that, and I think it speaks to the point that your expert is going to talk about in a moment, that you then have to enforce that law. And we're way beyond the days where we can afford to deploy, you know, 50 police officers in cars with radar guns, especially when technology permits us to do otherwise. So the reason I went to the premier of the day, Ben Kathleen Wynne, to ask that we be allowed to bring back photo radar in the city of Toronto is so that we could have what they call automated speed enforcement, because I do believe Libby, that if you have automated speed enforcement and people know because there's a great big sign saying speed camera that they're going to get caught and get a big ticket, then I believe it will change their behavior. And when will we see all of this? Well, the speed cameras are going to be deployed as soon as we get the final provincial approval, but we're expecting that momentarily. It's been quite a long process. And we are ready to move and install them in the 50 places in so December. Y- y- so the you own them cameras. already. Sorry, pardon? you own them already. You have them. Well, they've been ordered. And so we, because we've been assured we're giving the provincial approval, uh, they're in the procurement process. So they'll, that won't be the issue, deploying them. The issue is getting this approval. The red light cameras, we are doubling the number this year, and they're being installed on a one-by-one basis as we speak. So that's happening. Uh, we are redesigning streets. I think we're doing 12 different intersection redesigns right now with more to come as we do the first 12. We'll do the next 12. And those are um, ways in which we can redesign physically the intersection to make it safer for pedestrians and, uh, you know, just slow down uh, the vehicles that we were talking about earlier on that pose a danger to people trying to cross the street. We have uh, changed the standards for mid-block crossings so that we can have more crossings mid-block on some of those long straightaways on the suburban streets so that people would have a safe way to cross the street without having to walk as far, and that's particularly applicable to seniors. And then lastly, I'll say that at hundreds, literally hundreds of intersections around the city, we've already deployed something called a pedestrian interval signal, which means the pedestrian gets a head start uh, to get across uh, the intersection. And we've combined that with lengthening the time to cross at many, many intersections across the city, again, as a uh, gesture of uh, recognition of the fact that there are many seniors who take a little longer to get across, especially some of these wider streets. Uh, And have you set some kind of deadline, you know, whether it's informal or not, how long till we see that these things bear fruit, that 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 there's a change, a significant change? Well, all I can say is this. I mean, it would be unwise for me to say that we're going to get to zero. That's the objective. That is the clear overriding objective to get to zero deaths, uh, you know, of pedestrians because of this kind of collision. Uh, But I'll say two things. One, other cities where they started this before we uh, did, like New York and others, um, you know, are, it's still a work in progress, and they've had uh, several years head start. But I, I, secondly, as evidence of my desire to make sure that there is meaningful progress on this, when I saw there wasn't enough progress being made as of Christmas last year, that's why I brought forward what we call Vision Zero 2.0, meaning the second chapter, which had a lot more speed limit reductions, a lot more intersection redesigns, a lot more safe crossings. Uh, because I saw that the situation was getting worse, not better. Um, I take some small encouragement that the year's not over yet at the fact that it looks like the numbers are improving, uh, certainly in terms of pedestrian death uh, so far this year. But this is Do a, you know where we uh, were at last year offhand? Uh, I, see, I don't remember, but I think check. the numbers were quite a bit higher last year. You'd have to check those. I just don't have them in front of me. But I, I know that I looked at it as recently as about a week ago, and we've had a couple, tragically, a couple of deaths since, but the numbers were, you know, markedly better. That wasn't just one better. It was markedly better this year so far, but we've got to keep an eye on that all the time. And we're not, we're going to keep redoubling our efforts until 
we get ourselves pushing down towards and, and, and to that zero number, which is the very clear um, and absolutely, uh, you know, unchallenged objective. Okay, and one positive note that I was actually quite surprised to find from uh, police traffic services today is that no cyclist deaths this year. Well, uh, you know, I can't, I can't confirm that. I saw, I get a, a dashboard, and I just can't remember what it said. But I mean, that, that I, I, I'm not sure that's correct. But oh, well, that's um, if what I was told. Then I'm, I'm, I'm delighted at that, and let's keep up the good work and make sure it stays at zero because that is the objective for that as well. Uh, but it's a very, very um, long and and arduous uh, task to, to and which we're taking on to get all these things done and get all these changes made. But the number one thing I repeat is for people to slow down, uh, to pay attention, meaning no distracted driving, uh, for everybody to obey the rules, and that includes cyclists, pedestrians, and car drivers. But the principal onus must be on drivers because they are in powerful vehicles and uh, that are surrounded by two tons of steel and. So they have the principal owner on us on them. And that includes the uh, truck drivers that you mentioned earlier on as well. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Mayor Tory. I'm sure yeah, we'll, we'll be... Yeah, we'll update again on it. But Lee, yeah. I'm happy to do that because this is something I want people to keep an eye on and to be reminded of the challenge that's in front of all of us to get this done. Okay. Thank you so much, Thanks. Mayor You're John Tory. Bye. Bye. I would like to just go over some new statistics. And uh, if we're supposed to be heading into more mindful driving, they're not that encouraging. They are from the weekend. They are from here in Toronto and uh, over the weekend. And that's from Friday to uh, this morning at 6 a.m. 150 people reported collisions 200 tickets for a wide range of offenses and 20 people arrested for impaired driving. So um, sounds like quite a lot to me. And again, that's just in Toronto. With that, I would like to bring in OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt and Mark Richardson, who is the president of the Automotive Journalists Association of Canada. Welcome to you both. Good afternoon. Hello, Libby. Okay, Sergeant Schmidt. So uh, I know that you don't have the final tally from the weekend, but uh, anecdotally, what was going on on the roads, and is it any kind of reason for encouragement? Well, I guess the numbers you just quoted that was only from Toronto Police. Correct. Is that correct. Okay, so I just uh, tweeted out as well some of our numbers, and you can basically double the numbers that you just quoted on, because we had another 24 impaired driving charges uh, laid over this weekend, another 34 street racers or dangerous drivers that were charged, again, only in the GTA. So uh, it has been a very busy weekend for us. Uh, surprisingly, I guess a little bit, the impaired driving charges that we laid this weekend was very consistent with last year. Although, if you want to look at good news at all or not, uh, there was slightly fewer stunt drivers and street racers that we charged uh, this weekend as compared to last weekend. So hopefully we uh, had a little bit of an impact, a little bit of a difference and, and encourage people to make better choices and better decisions. But uh, again, it was also a deadly weekend and that's uh, what we're trying to prevent. Okay. How many, uh, how many deaths this, this last weekend? Well, do you want, that number I, I'm going to hold off on because I know they're, they're still trying to calculate uh, what was all happening. But I know we had some uh, an ATV death. We had some motor vehicle collisions. But some of these were outside of the GTA. Uh, I know we're, we're, we're just nearing 
the 200 number of fatalities that we have investigated so far this year. And I can tell you that our overall death count, if you want to call it that, which is a, a, a sad way of calling it, is, is down this year over last. We're down about 10%, which is uh, very encouraging. Our pedestrian deaths are actually... Uh, yeah, up. That's the one that is markedly up right now in our stats. That's the only stat that's markedly up. And I know uh, the Mayor Tory uh, was just talking about uh, the pedestrian deaths that they're trying to prevent and, and so on. Uh, cyclist deaths as well uh, are, is, are very encouraging, but uh, we are still seeing uh, those numbers across the province. Okay, I'd like to bring in Mark Richardson, and and you had an interesting piece uh, published in the Globe and Mail today. Uh, Basically, uh, you were referring to the experiment of an increased speed limit on some highways, uh, saying it's a joke, but that the de facto speed limit is pretty high, is uh, 120. Well, that's the thing. The Ontario government has stated that they're going to try this experiment for a couple of years, and at some point this month, they start and come up with a firm date they're going to increase the speed limit on three of the 400 series highways and increase it from 100 to 110. Uh, But my point is that everybody's already doing 120 on that anyway. It all comes down to enforcement, not what the actual speed limit says. So I don't think it'll actually make a lot of difference. Sergeant Schmidt, what about enforcement? I mean, we have, you know, Mayor Tory said it clearly for Toronto. You can't have all these cops out enforcing traffic. I'm sure the same is true provincially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, it is challenging. I'm sitting actually right now on the side of Highway 400 through a construction zone, where which is uh, listed as an 80-kilometer speed limit. And I can tell you traffic does go uh, considerably faster than that speed limit. And we do have dedicated officers out here that are doing uh, patrols and enforcement here every single day. And obviously, officers all across the province are enforcing the rules of the road uh, to the best of their abilities. Uh, we know the faster you go, if you're involved in a crash, the more serious, the more uh, likely you are to be involved with the, with injuries, to have serious injuries uh, sustained. And so that's uh, certainly a concern for us the faster we go. And, and if the uh, you know, markedly uh, average speed is 120, uh, maybe, maybe not, depending on traffic flows and volumes. Uh, but again, the faster you go, the faster it, uh, the more it hurts uh, when you stop suddenly in those uh, 200 milliseconds is what it takes to uh, go from your speed to uh, a dead stop. And that's the scary part. Mark Richardson, uh, the mayor, was also talking about the increased use of technology, red light cameras. Uh, We have those digital signs that tell us how fast we're going and sort of encouraging us to slow down. Uh, Do you think that those will go some distance to change behavior? How do you view this? Well, they certainly can. Um, I, the column that I wrote in the Globe today was centered around my experiences, recent experiences in Europe, where they do use traffic cameras and speed cameras all over the place, and they enforce the law to the letter of it. You know, if you're if you have a speed limit of 100 kilometers an hour and you're doing 103, they will give you a ticket. But the difference there is that in Europe they have reasonable speed limits, and over here in Canada and even in some parts of the states, they have speed limits that are sort of brought down somewhat to 55 or 100 kilometers an hour, uh, which were originally brought down from 115 in order to help save gas back in the you know, 1970s, 1980s, and never went back up again because no politician wanted to make a stand for possibly having unsafe highways. But I think that what's really going to happen with the 
the, uh, the, the experiment that the Ontario government is doing is they want to see, well, at the moment, everybody's driving, or 85% of drivers, and that's the magic number, are driving at 120 on a 100 limit. Are they going to drive at 130 in a 110 limit? And my argument is that they're not. And that's based on a study in, out of Washington uh, 20 years ago. But who knows until we try it. Sergeant Schmidt, do you have a view on this? Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of perspectives on that as well. And, and I think a lot of people speed, drive at a speed that they think uh, they're most comfortable with and that they feel is most uh, effective for them. Uh, uh, not saying it's right or wrong. Well, it is wrong when they, when they are breaking the law. Again, our job is to enforce the rules of the road. Uh, the Ministry of Transportation uh, government are the ones that set those limits. And if they uh, increase the uh, speed limits uh, in certain stretches of uh, certain highways, uh, that uh, doesn't necessarily change our tolerance uh, for what what drivers will be stopped for, for speeding. And uh, I think there will be uh, considerable enforcement across all highways, including those that have higher speed limits. And uh, And people may find themselves uh, surprised that uh, they're getting charged for maybe a speed that they thought they wouldn't get charged for uh, because they're on a 110 versus a 100 kilometer speed limit highway. So uh, officers are still going to be out there. I know our stunt driving and street racing legislation uh, has always been uh, de- uh, determined by a certain number above the speed limit. That may in fact now change as well. So instead of having someone going 50 kilometers over the speed limit, uh, which constitutes stunt driving, you may in fact get uh, someone doing 40 kilometers over the speed limit, which would constitute stunt driving, which would still equal the 150 kilometer per hour uh, threshold speed that they're charged charged at. So again, I haven't seen how that's all going to be played out right now. Uh, But in the end, uh, we need people to make better decisions. And it's not just those extreme uh, high speed Drivers, uh, we have just as much frustration with drivers that are sitting in the left lane that are driving slower uh, than the average uh, flow of traffic, even if they are speeding themselves or driving uh, uh, at the speed limit. They in themselves can cause quite a bit of frustration and, and aggressive driving because they're preventing efficient flow of traffic. We need drivers. If you're uh, pass, if you're driving a vehicle and, and you can't stand those uh, fast drivers. And if you find yourself driving in the left lane and someone's behind you, you better be moving over uh, and allowing them to pass. I've seen far too many people say that they're going to set their cruise control to 120, and that's good enough for me, and that's good enough for everybody else. And if someone comes up from behind them wanting to go 125 or 130, and they can't get by, now they're going to be passing on the inside, passing, uh, weaving through traffic, uh, and making the highways far more dangerous. And so we really want to get some education out to all motorists, uh, especially and particularly those drivers who think maybe they are doing the right thing, but in essence, they're actually more of the problem than some of the uh, aggressive drivers are. Okay, I'm going to give the uh, last Jan in Guelph. Hi, quickly, Jan in Guelph. What's yeah. your What's your comment? I'll be quick. A, st- a driver, a woman driver in Guelph, just recently in the last day or so, was doing 129 in a 50 mile zone. Got charged with stunt driving and impoundment of a vehicle for seven days. Isn't that absolutely ridiculous? My other comment is: Why do car manufacturers make cars to go so fast? I could do 220 in my car. I would never do that. So why are they making them to do that? So ridiculous. I'm actually, I want to make sure I understand 
Who is ridiculous? Uh, the fact that they were charged with stunt driving or the fact that she was going that fast? Well, she was ridiculous going so fast. <laughs> okay, and I mean, <laughs> the fine should be six months no driving or take a car away forever. Okay, good. That's, that's, a, that's a good okay. idea, Jen. Thanks. Uh, we are out of time on this, I'm sure. Unfortunately, it's a subject we are going to have to revisit. In the meantime, thank you so much, Sar- Sergeant Kerry Schmidt from the OPP and Mark Richardson, President of the Automobile, Automobile Journalists Association of Canada. Thank you both. You're thank very you. welcome, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.